0: The lighthouse on the hillside that overlooks life's sea. When it's tossed about, it sends out a light, a light that I might see. And the light that shines in darkness now will save. It's around me. Says tear that old lighthouse down. For the big ships, they don't sail this way anymore. What's the use? It standing round. Then my mind goes back to that story The light from that old
1: Last week, we looked at the second half of chapter two in the book of First Thessalonians. This morning we'll be in chapter three, the first eight verses, First Thessalonians chapter three. <clears throat> Last week we looked in chapter two at the trials of persecution. That the Thessalonian believers were enduring at the time that Paul writes this first epistle of 1 Thessalonians to them, to encourage them. Persecution is not the only trial that believers can face in life. And no matter what the trial, God has answers and encouragement for us in times of trial. We find such answers and encouragement in 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 through 8 this morning. In 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 8, we are told through Paul's advice to the Thessalonians that rather than becoming discouraged by trials, we ought to seek to grow stronger in the Lord during trials in three ways. Those three ways that we'll look at this morning are expecting the trials to come, that we should expect trials in this life. And secondly, that we'll look, we will look to the testimony of other believers for encouragement in times of affliction. We look to the testimony of other believers in times of affliction. And then thirdly, we, when we endure trials, it can encourage others through our testimony. When we endure trials, our testimony encourages others as we are faithful in those trials. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 through 8. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought... It's good to be left at Athens alone. And sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by the afflictions, by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before That we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now when Timothy came from you unto us, and brought us good tidings of your faith, and charity that ye have good remembrance of us always and desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you therefore brethren we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith for now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord let's pray let's pray heavenly father we thank you for everyone who is here this morning. I pray that this passage would be an encouragement, whether uh, individuals hearing this message are going through a time of trial in their life, or whether they know someone who is, or whether perhaps they've gone through trials in the past, as, as everyone, everyone does to various extents, or to be better prepared for such trials in the future, Lord, as trials do come to us in this life. Yes, Lord, I pray you speak through us now, speak clearly through this message and through the words that I speak of your word to help us understand this message from your word. I pray that everyone would be able to hear clearly this morning and that we would be encouraged and that we would encourage others through this encouragement that we are now receiving and by applying it to our lives. For your glory, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. The first piece of advice that Paul gives to the readers of this first epistle of Thessalonians in chapter 3 is to expect trials. Now I'm skipping the first two verses as I'm going to come back to them in the second point. But look at verse 3 and 4. We are to expect trials. Verse 3, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. So Paul is reminding them that we should not be moved, that we should not collapse at times of trouble, because. We know that times of trouble will come, especially to believers. You know, trouble comes to everyone in life because we live in a sin-cursed world. And then also there's extra trials, especially these trials of persecution that we spoke of last week the Thessalonians were experiencing. And so Paul writes that this should not come as a surprise, but rather we should be expecting, and that expecting These trials should help us be more prepared and and less discouraged, less surprised or taken off guard. We should not be moved. In other words, we should not change our belief or our practice because of the trials, because of the afflictions. That word afflictions means pressures, tensions. And there are various pressures and tensions that come our way. Here in particular, the Thessalonians are are experiencing the pressures and the tensions of persecution for their faith. Paul had experienced this in Thessalonica. He experienced it in Philippi. He experienced it to some extent in Athens and would continue to in his life. And Paul expects that. He had told them that such would be the case. In verse 4, he reminds them of that. Jesus promised, and Paul also reminds Timothy. So we have a couple of cross-references Jesus and John chapter 16, the f- same passage in which from John 14 to John 16, Jesus had been promising the Holy Spirit would come after Jesus ascends to heaven. There would be a time of waiting and then the Holy Spirit would come on the day of Pentecost and from that day forward, believers would be indwelt. The moment that they put their faith in Christ by the Holy Spirit, our comforter, the one who encourages us and in, uh, toward the end of John 16, right at the last verse, verse 33, Jesus had told his disciples, These have I spoken things, have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. And that word tribulation is the same word here in 1 Thessalonians that's translated affliction, meaning pressures, tension. In the world you will have pressures, intentions. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So Jesus gives them that as their final word of encouragement after promising that the Holy Spirit would come and be their comforter. That promise was uh, began in Fort John 14, verse 16, where Jesus told his disciples, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. During Christ's earthly ministry, Jesus had been the comforter for his disciples, but in, now that he has gone to heaven, and he promises us in the Great Commission that he will be with us always, he's with us always through the Holy Spirit, God is with us. He shall give you another comforter that ye may abide, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. And at that moment, he was dwelling with them, as the Holy Spirit was resting on Christ, and in Christ, throughout his earthly ministry, coming upon him at his baptism. And he was with his disciples during his earthly ministry, the Holy Spirit was, through Jesus. And then he became he came to be in them at the day of Pentecost and from that day forward the Holy Spirit indwells us and encourages us. In 2 Timothy 3.12 we see again Paul promising reminding us that trials come. Peter also speaks of this and I'll come back to that thought later. In 2 Timothy 3.12 Paul writes Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. In some way, as believers, all of us suffer the, some sort of persecution or tension or pressure that comes because the tempter, as we see later in this passage, wants to test us, wants to shake our faith. Wants us to become less effective in our service of God. And so trials will come. It is part of the testing that we all must go through as believers. Verse 4 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 again. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation. Again, just another form of that same word that's translated afflictions in verse 3, tribulation. Not referring to the great tribulation, but to the t- testing and trials that come to us in this life, the tensions and pressures of life, especially those that come in addition to all the other trials that we go through as a result of living in this incursed life, but in addition to being a believer, the, t- the type of tensions and testing and pressures that come upon us because we are believers. Even as it came to pass, and as you know, look at that verse 4, the end of those, those um, the end of verse 4 in 1 Thessalonians 3, there was once a black church where each of the members, where the church was asked, what is your favorite passage? And in a time of sharing testimonies, one man got up and said, even as it came to pass and and, and sat down. So just part of that verse, it came to pass. And they asked him, what do you mean by that? It came to pass. Why is that your favorite verse? And he said, because trouble came to pass. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. So our troubles in this life, they are temporary. Even as it came to pass. And you know, and this speaks of The the trials that Paul had told them would come did come. But remember, they are temporary. They are for us in this life. Paul spoke of in the last passage of the crown that we have, our hope and our joy that we have to look forward to Christ at his coming in verse 19 of just the previous chapter we looked at last week in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Notice in the second part of verse 3 that we just looked at, we are appointed to suffer afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. God allows sufferings and persecutions. He allows these extra tensions and pressures to help try us so that we can grow further in our walk grow closer to God, rely on Him for our strength in times of pressure and tension that we all must go through as believers. So that is the first part here. That is the first piece of advice that Paul gives here in verses 3 through 4 to help us endure trials and persecutions, afflictions and tribulations, tensions and pressures. We are to expect them to come. We are to expect them. But secondly, we should look to the testimony of other believers for encouragement in times of affliction. We should look to the testimony of other believers. And we see this in verse 5, as well in verses 1 and 2, and and a little bit even in 6 and 7, which overlaps with my third point. Look at verse 5. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith lest by some means the tempter have tried you and your labor be in vain. The tempter refer to Satan testing. And now I want to go back just to the last three verses of chapter 2. When he says in verse 5, For this cause, And look at verse 1 as well in chapter 3, where he says, Wherefore, he's referring to the previous verses. He's referring to the last chapter that we looked at last week. verse I'll go all the way back to verse 17. But we, brethren, in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 17, But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, Endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. So he's physically not able to be present with them, partly because of the persecution and also God's calling of him to other cities in his ministry. Paul would like to be with the Thessalonians and to be encouraged them with his physical presence there with him, but he's not able to be there, as you see in the following verses. But he's with them in spirit and in his heart. And look at verse 18. Wherefore, We would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again. So more than once, Paul tries to go back to Thessalonica, but is unable to, for whatever reason. And the reason that ultimately Paul gives, not a specific circumstance, but even I, Paul, once and again. But Satan hindered us, and we looked at that last week. Sometimes Satan hinders us with circumstances from doing what we would want to do. But God is ultimately in control and uses it. And uses Paul in Athens to give the gospel in Athens. And he sends, meanwhile, he sends Timothy back to Thessalonica. Let's look at the following verses. Verses 19 through verse 1 of the next chapter. For what is our hope or our joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are... Our glory and joy. Wherefore, and that wherefore is referring back to those verses we just read at the end of chapter two. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, what he's referring to here is that he is dying to know. You see this expressed at the end of chapter two. He is dying to know how the Thessalonians are doing in the midst of their persecution. He knows that the pressure is on in Thessalonica, and he's afraid of the Thessalonian church collapsing perhaps in some way that they'll um, go, turn away from their faith because of the persecution, because of the trials. And he is hoping, he is hoping to rejoice that they will be faithful and that at Christ's coming, he will see them in heaven. He's hoping that, they, that their faith is true and that therefore when they are, are tried, that they will be proven That their faith is resting in Christ. And not in the word of men as we looked at last week, but in the word of God as truth. And therefore, they're not being shaken, they're not collapsing, they're not being moved by the trials, by the pressure that they are experiencing. So, wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, you see, Paul, he had tried to go and visit. Once and again, he tried to go and visit the Thessalonians. He wanted to be with them, and he was with them in heart, although not in physical presence. So, since he could not go back, look at verse 1. We thought it good to be left at Athens alone. Paul is left at Athens alone, but he sends Timothy back to Thessalonica. He sends Titus to another city as well. Uh, excuse me. He sends Silas to another city as well. We see that in Acts chapter 17 and 18, especially at the beginning of ch- Acts ch- uh, chapter 18. But Paul remains in Athens alone. And while he's there, he preaches the gospel in Athens. In verse 2 of chapter 3, in 1 Thessalonians, we see, And sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning uh, your faith. So Paul is writing this letter after Timothy comes back to him with the good report from Thessalonica, that the church is being faithful despite the persecution, despite the pressures and the tensions that are brought on by the persecution there. They are remaining faithful to God, and that is a great encouragement to Paul. And Paul wants to encourage them that he is encouraged, and he wants them to continue being faithful. So he writes this back, and he praises Timothy here, in case perhaps anyone in the in Thessalonica are disappointed that it's just Timothy that's going back and not Paul himself. He calls him, he praises him as a brother and a minister of God and our fellow laborer. So he's bringing Timothy up and elevating him to the same level as Paul himself and as well as Silas to encourage them that Timothy is a very much a, a part of his ministry. He's a brother. In fact, it, it mentions elsewhere how that Paul is inconvenienced by Timothy and Silas's absence by being by himself. They're a great help to him in the ministry. So he sacrifices that help for a time just to go back to Thessalonica and to be encouragement to them. You see that purpose in the second, verse, uh, second half of verse 2. And our fellow labor in Christ, in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. So they sent Timothy to establish the Thessalonians and to comfort them concerning their faith. To establish is a word that means to set fast, to confirm, to turn resolutely in a certain direction. It's the same term that is referred to, although in a different language, in the Old Testament. In Exodus 17, verse 12, when Aaron and Hur stayed up Moses' hands at the battle against Amalek in Exodus chapter 17, it uses the term stayed up for Aaron and Hur holding up Moses' hand because in that battle, whenever Moses' hands were raised, the Israelites were defeating the Amalekites in that battle. Joshua was down there fighting the battle, leading Israel in that battle. And whenever Moses' hands were raised, the battle would go well for Israel and poorly for Amalek. But whenever his hands began to get tired and he began to lower them, then the battle began to turn the other way. The tide of the battle began to turn against Israel for Amalek. So Aaron... And her saw that Moses needed that help to keep his hands raised. And they got on each side of him and helped support his hands. It it used the term stayed up Moses' hands during that battle. And so as Moses' hands were stayed up, the battle was won for Israel. And that term stayed up is the same idea here of establish. So Timothy is going there to do that work of establishing them. That same type of idea that's presented in the Old Testament with Aaron and her helping establish Moses' hands in the air so that the battle could be won. So Timothy goes to the Thessalonians and helps to establish them, to confirm them, to set them resolutely in a certain direction, the right direction of staying faithful in the faith and teaching sound doctrine. As that is one of the other temptations, to compromise Um, And We see this same um, term that is mentioned later of being moved to also be referred to in other parts of the New Testament. They want to make sure that they're not moved at Thessalonica. It's used in other places in the New Testament to refer to someone who changes their original beliefs, modifies them to believe something that is not accurate to the truth that that was first taught. And so he wants to make sure, as a laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. And that word comfort means to encourage. So Timothy goes back to establish them, to help stay them up, and to encourage them. And also he brings a report of the progress, a report of the faithfulness of the Thessalonian church back to Paul by which Paul will be greatly encouraged if we see this in our last point. So in this second point, we are to look to the testimony of other believers for encouragement in times of affliction. Paul sent Timothy to observe the Christian growth in Thessalonica when he could no longer forbear. Paul just could not wait any longer. He desperately had to know how Thessalonians were doing. So he sets Timothy back to confirm them, to see how they're doing, and to encourage them. And Paul is encouraged by the faithfulness of the Thessalonians. So Paul wants the Thessalonians to be encouraged, and he also is encouraged by the Thessalonians. We see see that in verses 6 and 7. But now when Timothy came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. So the feeling that Paul had for the Thessalonians was mutual. The Thessalonians felt the same way about Paul. Paul wanted to go back and see them, and he will see them again eventually, but was unable to at this time. And so he remains in Athens instead sends Timothy back to be with them and to encourage them and to bring a report back to Paul. And when Paul brings those good tidings in verse 6, of your faith and charity, that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted, that same word again, comforted, encouraged over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. So Paul is continuing to experience affliction, the pressure and tension, in distress, and he's encouraged in his own affliction and distress by the faith of the Thessalonians. So he feels now it is worthwhile, the effort, all the trouble that Paul is experiencing as a missionary, it's worth it to him to now see that the fruit of his labors, to see the Thessalonians are being faithful in the gospel that he had preached There in Thessalonica, back in Macedonia, now that he is further to the south in Greece and Athens. So that is encouragement to Paul. And we see, you know, sometimes in our lives, if we are tempted to begin feeling sorry for ourselves because of the troubles that we are experiencing, we can often be encouraged by looking at the lives of others who are going through far more than, than we are. I know for me, at least that's the case, because all of my trials and troubles in this world are are usually pretty small compared to a lot of others, you know, uh, who, who who go through more pressures and tensions. And to see others faithful in those times is an encouragement and makes it seem all the more workable to endure any troubles that I... And, Uh, must endure in my life because of the faithfulness of others that is an encouragement also the the trials that we go through one commentator uses the illustration that the the trouble that we go through as believers the extra trouble that Satan brings look at verse 5 again for this cause when I could no longer forbear I sent to know your faith lest by some means the tempter Having tempted you, Satan is that tester, the same one who hindered Paul from being with them. He's testing the Thessalonians. Having tempted you or tested you, our labor be in vain. Paul was afraid that perhaps the Thessalonians had turned away from their faith because of all the persecution. That is not the case, and that's going to be a great encouragement to him. But that was his concern, which he couldn't wait any longer. So he had the Timothy sent back, as you see in in verse 2 as well as in verse 6. And so Paul is reassured when Timothy returns, as he mentions in verse 6, and he had had Timothy sent back, as he mentioned in verse 2, because he wanted to make sure that they were being faithful to the gospel, that they were not leaving their faith. That would have been devastating to Paul to hear that they had fallen away. So he had to know. He just couldn't wait. He had to hear, the tempter having tested you. One of the commentators used used the illustration of a coin that the testing, the trial that the Thessalonians are going through and that we all go through some trials and troubles in our life in addition to the normal trials that everyone goes through as a human in the sin-cursed world, a believer will go through testing like a coin endures, a genuine coin endures the chemical tests that it can be put through that prove that it is genuine, that it will not... Um, the, the chemicals that you can put a coin in to test it. Genuine faith can endure testing. In our third point, so we look to, in the second point here, we look to the testimony of other believers for encouragement in times of affliction. And thirdly, when you endure trials, your testimony encourages others. So there's a mutual encouragement between Paul... ...who is going through afflictions and trials himself... ...and is sent Timothy back to the Thessalonian church... ...to see how they are doing and to encourage them... ...and then Timothy brings the report back to him... ...and he's encouraged. There's a mutual encouragement here... ...between believers who are enduring the tensions. It works both ways. When we can... ...you, when you go through trials can look to the example of other believers who have gone before us in history as well as those believers who are around the world today and even in our own community who have gone through more trials and trouble in their life and yet remained faithful to God, and that's an encouragement to us. But then when we are also faithful to God, despite pressures and tensions that come because of our service to God, because of our faith in God, That encourages others as well. We can be an encouragement. And knowing that we can be an encouragement to others can encourage us all the more to be faithful to God despite tensions, despite trials. We can be encouraged that if we are faithful, that will be a greater encouragement to others. We see this in verses 6 through 8. But now when Timothy came from you unto us and brought us good tidings, and that, that, that term good tidings um, is where the term evangelism, evangelize comes from, meaning to bear good tidings, to bear the good news. When, Paul, when, when Timothy came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith, and charity that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, when we were we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord. In other words, Paul is saying it's all worth it. All the trials and persecutions and Satan hindering us and testing us. It's all worth it when we see you being faithful. Paul speaking to the Thessalonians who, where he had planted that church, where he had preached the gospel and seen the converts, to know that they were being faithful in their faith in Christ that was established because of his preaching is a great encouragement and makes it all worthwhile. And any missionary, any preacher knows that when they see all the efforts, all the work that they put into their ministry, when they see the fruit of it in the form of believers being faithful to God, that's a great encouragement to them. And Paul uses the term, for now we live, a term which means that we enjoy life all the more because, in other words, he feels his life is worth living. His life is worth living his life as a minister for God, his life as a missionary, his life as a church planner, his life going through the beatings and the imprisonments and the eventually laying down his, the gospel is worth it because of the faith and the faithfulness in their faith of those who have become believers because of the preaching of Paul under the influence of Paul through the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And the faith that they chose to place in Jesus Christ. In response to Paul's preaching. Abiding in faith and charity encourages others. We see that in verse 6. Abiding in faith and charity encourages others. And standing fast. Remaining steadfast. Not being moved. Not collapsing. Remember. In verse 5, that had been Paul's fear, which is why he is so happy, so full of joy when he hears that they are faithful. He was afraid that they would be moved. Verse 3, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know we are appointed thereunto. In verse 5, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. That was his fear, and to know that that is not the case, that they have not been moved, that his work has not been in vain, greatly encourages Paul. And I don't think we often think of it this way, but the Thessalonians had a great influence and responsibility in that Paul continues to serve God and bring the gospel on other missionary journeys, And he himself is going to come under great affliction for the gospel in his future ministry. But at this point in his ministry, it's a pivotal time. This is the first epistle that he writes. I've mentioned that a few times now in the past few sermons. This is the first epistle Paul writes. If Paul had not received this encouragement, we don't know. We can hope and assume that Paul would have been faithful and still written the other epistles as well and that he still would have carried out his ministry, that he still would have gone back to Jerusalem knowing what would happen to him there, and still would have been willing to face that arrest and imprisonment and go uh, on that journey through the Mediterranean, being shipwrecked and being a faithful testimony in the midst of that situation and going back to Rome and being imprisoned in Rome and appealing to Caesar. And everything that he went through after this point, he's more prepared and more strengthened and encouraged to endure Who knows, because of the frailty of any human being, we tend to put people like Paul and Peter and everyone else in the Bible on a pedestal and think of them as just greater human beings, that they were able to do everything they did. But humanly speaking, we don't know how Paul might have reacted if the Thessalonians had not encouraged him in this way that we see. If he would have been able to be the Apostle Paul that we know him to be, writing all these epistles that we have in the New Testament, most of the New Testament, written by the Apostle Paul. And to be the testimony that he had at the end of his life of being ready to offer his life, having finished his course, having fought a good fight. He gets to that point in his life, we can argue partly because of the encouragement that the Thessalonian church was to Paul to keep on his labors, to keep going for God, because Of that group of believers, the Thessalonians, encouraging him. And that's why he writes this passage. It means so much to him to find the believers at Thessalonica faithful. To find the church of the Thessalonians still going. And he wants to encourage them because they have encouraged him so much. It has worked both ways. Because Paul himself goes through much tension, much pressure. And it's an encouragement to him that the Thessalonians are being faithful. So we never know how great an influence we can have in others... ...by enduring the the trials that come our way. Especially anything that is an extra trial because... ...and sometimes we don't always know whether it's because Satan is testing us behind the scenes. Job certainly did not know that in the book of Job... ...when he was going through all the testings and trials physical loss of his property, of his children, and of his health. And then of also his reputation with his friends coming and telling him that he must have done something terrible to deserve all those bad things happening. And we see that principle taught that that's not the case. That sometimes Satan is testing us and we don't even realize it through the terrible things that come our way in this life. And so Satan is doing that here. We see that in him hindering Paul from being with the Thessalonians, we see that in the tempter having tempted you. That refers to Satan in verse 5 of this passage. And often Satan will, will use things like he did with Job to test us. And God allows that in our lives to build our faith, to bring us to a, a greater point in our walk with God, where we are closer to him and we are being an encouragement to others through what we endure, through the tensions and trials, through the, te- through the pressure that we go under. You know, and that's the type of, of pressure, the type of refining that gold and diamonds endures, that they're put under pressure, or refining fire, and the, the extra is, is, is broken away, so that what is left is much more precious. And so God is working in our lives making diamonds, purifying gold in our lives that can be an encouragement not just to us but to those around us who are watching us go through those trials and who, and who knows how many um, people will be influenced by how we respond and how we are faithful to the tensions and, tr- and the, the trials, the pressure that we go through in life as believers. Sometimes we don't even know. It's really the sat- that Satan that is testing us and God who is allowing that testing to build us in our faith and be a testimony of faith both to other believers to be faithful to God as well as well as a testimony to those who are not believers that they would see it and know that our faith is real and the believers in the New Testament that 1st century and 2nd century and 3rd century those churches Tertullian was able to later say, one of the church fathers, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Meaning that non-believers were so affected by the faithfulness of the church under pressure that they saw the reality of their faith. They saw that what they are believing must be real, must be true for them to go through all this and still be faithful, to be willing to even lay their lives down as martyrs for Christ. There must be something to that. So now we have looked at in First Thessalonians 3 1 through 8 three pieces of advice given by Paul to the Thessalonians whereby we can be helped to grow stronger in the Lord through trials. First, we should expect the trials. They will come. That's guaranteed. Second, we should look to the testimony of other believers who have gone through, you know, if you were to have a trial in your life, it's a good idea to find someone, another believer who has gone through something similar and talk to them and be encouraged by their testimony and their faithfulness to God, having come through. And I know I've heard of many, you know, people when they get cancer, they talk to someone who's had cancer and survived it. And that's an example of looking to someone else who's endured a trial similar to their own. And are encouraged by that. And third, we should remember that as we endure trials faithfully, we can be an encouragement to others. That even though we often don't feel strong ourselves, it comes across in this passage that Paul did not always feel strong himself. But his life is forever a great testimony and encouragement to believers, even today as we read Paul's epistles. But Paul himself was encouraged by the Thessalonians, believers, in a great way. Empowering him for greater service to God. And we never know how great an encouragement we can be to others. Through enduring pressures and tensions that come our way. Faithfully. Remaining unmoved and unchanged in our faith in God. So let us purpose to be faithful to God. And as we come to our closing song now. Speaking of how sweet it is to trust in Jesus. Jesus. Let us remember the faithfulness of those who have gone before us and let us strive to be faithful in our walk with God and bring glory to God and encourage others to be faithful to Christ. Let's pray.